This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Material is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Brendan Lowry, and uh, I'm a consultant in the social responsibility and business development space. And what I love about materials is the ability to um, use materials to create jobs and raise up impoverished communities around the world. Why would an iconic brand decide to rebuild an entire part of its supply chain and take on major challenges to actually go into a developing country? Coming up, you're going to find out about how a fashion brand executive actually spearheaded and championed a social responsibility program that was not only profitable and successful, but it really had lasting impact. This is Material Is Your Business, a podcast covering the science, technology, and business of materials and manufacturing. Produced by Mouth Media Network, powered by Sennheiser. Your hosts for this episode are Stephanie Benedetto and Samantha Cortez. Hi, Brennan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be with you. So I know you were absolutely instrumental in developing an incredible corporate social responsibility program for a huge brand, Kate Spade, and in Rwanda. What does that mean to a brand or a company like a Kate Spade to be having that kind of a program and initiative? And what inspired you about taking on that project? Sure, sure. I think there's... um tremendous meaning for employees of a brand that is willing to spend uh, money uh, outside themselves and outside uh, their internal four walls and outside their uh, sales and their profit to be able to say we are committed to seeing um, women empowered in different parts of the world. We're committed to using our resources to uh, transform a community. And um, we're willing to kind of go out on a limb and create a new cutting edge model uh, for the space of social responsibility and give it and give it a go. And uh, there's been tremendous meaning and magic in what we've tried to uh, create and accomplish. And uh, I wanted to be a part of it, had to be a part of it. How do you even begin to think about what that kind of a program looks like? Obviously, they're these large established brands. They have certain dedicated supply chains and way of doing things. And yet you're introducing and bringing in a whole new kind of supply chain mm-hmm. in a new location with different materials and right. cultures and processes and laws. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you even begin thinking about that? Sure. So there were a couple of wise individuals before me that uh, came up with the idea and uh, said, we're actually willing to do this. And when I joined the program in 2015, uh, we were at a place of uh, we started the business the business is in place. Um, uh, com- the community is starting to be transformed. But we we need to develop people. We have 175 employees. How do we even scale? How do we even impact our um, efficiency and our quality? How do we even uh, kind of get us to a place of being able to compete in the world of global suppliers? And so uh, I think um, there are some big dreamers 
and big ide- ideators, if that's if that's the right word, uh, within Kate Spade, which has always been fun to be a part of and fun to watch. Um, and uh, I have always had an operational mind, and I like opportunity, and uh, and I like people. And so, um, learning more about the program, uh, it started to uh, kind of prick some personal and professional goals, kind of with me, and felt like this is a really beautiful melding of those on a personal and professional level, and what an opportunity to get to see transformation um, just before my eyes with a particular group of people. So how did you even start? Did you have to be there physically? Was it about building out a plan and and what the products were going to be and then bringing it to there and training people Mm -hmm. in how to do this? I mean, what what does the operational mechanics look like? Uh, There's a lot of mechanics. (laughs) There's a lot. Let's say that. Uh, You know, there's... Um, there are a number of partners and a number of experts that have been uh, part of the program from the start until now. And that's uh, th- those are experts in Rwanda. Those are experts within the Rwandan government, experts within the U.S. government when you think about trade yeah. and import-export taxes. How does this even work? Um, there are experts uh, within the industry when you think about um, technical quality and actual production of leather goods. And um, they're experts specifically in the social space, right? What does it look like to care for a community? Creating jobs is one thing with major social impact, but what does it look for to actually care for a community when it comes to health and nutrition, financial literacy, counseling, right? A community that um, experienced war 20 plus years ago that is still healing from that, right? So, um, I'd say when you when you start out, it's it's all about bringing in some of the experts and and, and starting to dream big, and then um, there's an evaluation of what's actually achievable within year one, year two, year three. This was a new model, right, for us and within the industry. So uh, all kinds of beginning, right, and all kinds of beginning again a little bit, right, as you do a little trial and error to um, figure out. The right mojo, the right mix, and the right kind of level of expertise. Once you've established the brand, you've established the supply chain, and you've got these goods coming in, you have that fun consumer piece, which is how do you tell that story of what this is and why should the Kate Spade consumer care? And Mm -hmm. and, and I think people have this kind of idea in their head, though, that you think of certain parts of the world and certain products coming out of there, and it brings a certain connotation. But this is a Kate Spade Mm -hmm. product coming out of here, which obviously denotes a certain Mm -hmm. level of luxury and quality. How did you tell that story and get that out there? And did you see the consumers caring and the drive and the products being purchased? Yes, yes. Um, yes to all of that. Uh, Yay. <laughs> yeah. Kate Spade had worked with a local NGO. I say local, actually, an international NGO uh, for a number of years from 2006 till about 2012. And so was introduced to um, Rwanda that way and was also introduced to um, uh, kind of the world of, I'll say, social good on a larger scale. Uh, but that relationship looked like um, a small capsule collection of kind of limited goods that mm-hmm. we would sell around the holidays, whether that be mittens, hats, gloves, scarves, things like that. And while it had meaning to the employees and to some of the consumers that purchased it, we weren't able to tell a story in a in a big, bold way like Kate Spade likes to do, right? And so being able to develop this program, and to your point, going down the line all the way to the consumer, uh, we wanted to create a program that had legs, right, and longevity and an ability to be sustainable. And we thought that if you prop up a supplier that can produce 
Kate Spade product. There is great value uh, to that. Um, uh, both for the supplier and the brand, and then the brand can tell a story about um, tremendous transformation and change. And so, yes, we're able to tell the story uh, most robustly on the website, uh, some in the stores, but but also on the website, and then uh, through some social media campaigns. Um, but the uh, the ultimate idea is that the the products look and feel just like the products that come from other suppliers, other Kate Spade suppliers in parts of the world. So, uh, you know, a, a navy blue leather handbag that came from Rwanda can sit right next to a black leather handbag that came from somewhere else. And uh, there's no um, way to tell aside from just a little marketing, you know, next to the bag. So what was your contribution to this project, the product development aspect of it, the the relationships with the with the factories? Yes. So I was the program manager in on the ground. So my responsibility and my role was to be the uh, the, po- the point person for the entire program in Rwanda. So that was everything from managing the actual facility of 175 employees and our production four times a year with our Rwandan team, uh, working with them, coaching them, um, developing them to be able to lead their business. That was a, a huge piece of it. The other piece is um, uh, government relations, mostly in Rwanda, in and around Rwanda, and uh, establishing some of those relationships and being able to to be uh, kind of a face of the investor, Kate Spade being the investor to, to these, these partners. That must have been an outstanding experience. It was incredible, Samantha. It was incredible. It was a surprise and a gift. How long were you there for? About two and a half years. And what kind of changes I can imagine you saw from the beginning to the end, both in terms of the goods that you're putting out and the growth of the program, but also the community and the lives and the people that you're affecting and impacting? Sure. So um, just in the physical space, we added uh, an entirely new workshop that is about two and a half times the size of our largest workshop. So now we've got two decently large buildings. Um, we added what we call a life skills pavilion where we get to teach our actual life skills uh, to our employees. Uh, that's everything from health to financial literacy and a few things in between. Uh, we're able to build a garden on the property to, uh, for the women to be able to garden and be able to um, take home um, nutrient-rich foods to their families. Um, I'll say kind of in the transformation of the community, you You've got a community of 20,000 people, and we only employ 175, but 95% of those employees are female. They're women. They're mothers. And you you start to see the trickle-down effect, right? And so each of these employees is, is caring for about four and a half dependents with their salary. Uh, so we start to see more kids in school. We have, start to see the restaurant down the road um, doing triple the amount of business uh, because you've got employees that are able to go there for lunch now. They've got income and there's more income to be spent uh, eating out versus just at home. And then you also see um, a local market. We had a market that was uh, um, present about once a week, usually on Friday afternoons, and that was local fruits and vegetables. And then by the time I left, it was five nights a week. And that's because there's more income to go around and more income to be spent. Um, so... And their wages are very, very reasonable compared to other positions in that. They are. They're fair. They're generous. Um, the, um, yeah, the wages, are. I think, are obviously a large part of the impact. And I think um, 
we're working with a community of people that are really interested in learning and really interested in doing something meaningful to them, and they, they are able to connect the two. In your time there, I can imagine that there were challenges inevitably. Um, what were some of kind of the biggest challenges and how were you guys able to overcome them? Sure. For those who are kind of thinking about wanting to, whether they're a big mm-hmm. brand or even a small brand, thinking about these new ways mm-hmm. of doing business and new opportunities in, in new areas. Mm-hmm. I think as a foreigner living in a developing country, we often joked that um, we lived in the extremes, the highest of highs and the most challenging of lows. And a lot of that is uh, because you get to see really incredible impact uh, just before your eyes. And then the challenge of that is that some things don't make sense, right, as a foreigner living in a foreign place in a country that's kind of developing in a hurry. Um, As a business, I'd say we were starting something new, a model that had not been done before, had not been executed or tested. So there were a lot of um, uh, kind of moments, I'd say, where we had to course correct a little bit and uh, figure it out. There have been a handful of technical trainers, as an, as an example, that we have brought in and, uh, you know, have evolved to a place where we feel like we've now got the right technical trainer working with us consistently all the time, right? Um, that's part of it. I think the other piece is, is timing, right? And, and the time it takes to actually execute a program like this and to see it to sustainability. I think on paper, we would want to say that two to three years is the right amount of time, but in actuality, it's much longer than that. When you, when you, um, not just to implement the program, but to walk alongside a local people group, uh, in particular, to to bring them with you to kind of be side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and make sure that they're able to to lead their business. As, as you well. guys were kind of looking at the program, did you have a definition of what success would mean to you, and what kind of metrics you'd be? tracking from a sustainable perspective and a community building perspective or was a lot of it kind of as you tested Mm -hmm. and saw what was working let's put more dollars behind x y and z initiatives we we had what i actually called a few pillars kind of of sustainability and uh, uh one of those is being able to attract a second third fourth fifth client right Second client being the first, of course. Um, the the factory is producing Kate Spade product, but we wanted to be able to start producing for another couple of brands because we thought that would that would really be able to test our model. Right, mm-hmm. that's a big piece of it. Um, I was asked to work myself out of a job. That was another kind of marker of our success. If you're able to, as the uh, leader on the ground, be able to work yourself out of a job and hire a local Rwandan in your place, that's another marker of our success, which we did last spring. Uh, so that's that's another piece of it. There are some financial metrics that we've just kind of evolved along the way because we've realized we need a little more time to develop. Absolutely. What do you see? What other country would you think it would be great to start this whole new concept again in? Do you have anything in mind? Uh, I would love to start a program in a lot of parts of the world. I think I'll say this. Um, Something about Rwanda that makes Rwanda very unique, I think, is that uh, it's a safe country. I think it was just voted the number one safest in Rwanda. But there are um, there's some safety and security there that allows us to be able to work there. But also uh, the government relations between the, the trade relations between the U.S. and Rwanda make it um, super positive and super um, uh, helpful uh, as you're going in there. I would say somewhere in, uh, I think, 
there's more parts of East Africa that we certainly could explore. Uh, or I would um, probably say somewhere between Central America and South America. Those would be uh, the areas that I would focus on most specifically. Okay, we need to touch more on that, but I am staring at a bag, maybe a Kate Spade bag, which has some delicious food in it. What did you bring for us to munch on? Sure. So uh, we're in the new year. I uh, consumed way too much over the holidays, so I've got a healthy snack. Yeah, Still has chocolate in it. Um, if you've ever heard of energy balls, or sometimes they call them date balls, you use dates, nuts, cocoa powder, little vanilla. And um, I, I, chocolate chips, I couldn't resist. But they're just a, a little snack. They look like a bit of like a truffle. And you bake them yourself? You don't even bake them. Oh. You just blend it up and pop it in the fridge. But you blended them yourself? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, maybe this is even something that I can bake <laughs> since I don't turn my stove on. This sounds like magic. All right, please, let's see them. Can you sure. break them out? Sure. And a healthy snack for the new year. That's a perfect idea. Oh, wow. Would you dust them with on the outside? Uh Shredded coconut. Shredded coconut. So some have shredded coconut, some do not. And it's got energy kind of boosting. Yes. I I like to think of it as a way to eat chocolate without the guilt. Oh, the guilt. Game on. the guilt. It it lowers the calories. (laughs) It just looks at the nuts. (laughs) All right, we're going to dive right into these delicious bowls. Thank you. When we're back, we're going to dive more into where we can put these programs all over the world. The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MOUTHMEDIASEN, that's MOUTHMEDIA, S-E-N-N, at checkout. You can find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. And hear all of our episodes on materialisyourbusiness.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. So those snacks were delicious, but back into our conversation yeah. here. I was wondering, I am, it's dear to my heart bringing manufacturing back to the U.S. Sure. And I was wondering, are you working on any projects? Um, and that necessarily has to be the U.S. It could be the Americas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've, uh, I'm currently working with uh, several organizations and brands who are working in East Africa, and then working with one organization, uh, particularly here in the U.S., that is um, uh, trying to inspire and equip local female entrepreneurs all over the country. Uh, But if you look at um, kind of a model similar to Kate Spade's, I think I could say that my dream would get to partner with and work with a company uh, that would be interested in bringing manufacturing back to the U.S., whether it be, um, you know, putting a factory in some part of the country where there's a high rate of homelessness, where there's a high rate of unemployment, whatever it might be. But let's um, let's find those pockets and let's go there and, uh, you know, create the jobs and be willing to provide skills and technical training to, to, to um, 
help raise up that in particular community, whichever community that might be. Sure. sure. And on the one hand, it seems like so obvious that there are these opportunities that aren't being tapped. But obviously, on the flip side, we know it takes time and money and energy and people experts and resources to do these kinds of programs. And we need more of these big brands like a Kate Spade to put the money where their mouth is and to build up these kinds of initiatives so others can benefit from it as well all over the world. And I wonder if you're seeing any other brands who have done a really good job of it and it and how and why they're able to be successful and how it improves their bottom line. Sure. So I think we have a number of brands that have adopted a one-for-one kind of strategy or a one-for-ten. I've seen that out there recently, uh, which is kind of interesting, or um, or a percentage of proceeds donated to these organizations uh, or don- donated to the school where our factory workers and their children, you know, there's all kinds of connections. And I think that uh, the consumer today is extremely interested in obviously knowing where her money's going, or his money, and where um, production is happening, knowing all of that, right? Uh, I haven't seen uh, a company investing in a particular unique model um, at the moment. Um, I uh, doesn't mean it's not happening. I haven't come across it. Uh, but I do think that um, there is great opportunity uh, for companies in this moment who have, in particular, who have a social bent or even who don't but who say we want to get into social responsibility we want to do it for our consumer we want to do it for our company and for our employees no that there are these brands that do genuinely care have it in their spirit in their ethos and are out there and going to do these things and i we always talk about i know we've mentioned before that it just means so much when you have a company like kate spade going on record doing these things like a caring publishing reports that actually tell you how you can do this and how you're actually going to improve your bottom line and the dollars going in are actually going to come out as well and then it just makes business political social economic sense right. for everybody and it's always funny when you get you know I know a lot of these brands are hiring corporate directors of social responsibility bravo that's great and and right. but a lot of them still don't know where to go or what to do sure. and so what would you tell them and and how is that kind of the role you would want to see yourself in in the future and building up these programs and what does it mean to be a corporate director of social responsibility right to you. right sure well to me to me what that means is um getting to uh be a part of an organization, getting to lead an organization in the direction of um, of a mission, right? Who are we? And let's understand our ethos and what let's understand what's important to us. Let's understand uh, what product we're producing and what community are we supporting and how do those two connect, right? You want something that makes sense uh, from a um, – Something that makes sense in your business and I think also makes sense to tell the story, right? Something that's not completely random. Well, you are definitely in the right timing. Uh, yes. Yes. Right. Every the consumer is like wanting; they will spend that extra dollar, yes. knowing that they are helping somebody. Yes. It's like that. Our new generation is really gearing more into you know what? Let's make a difference. Right. Right. But do you think and, the brands are nervous about doing that because? Not only are they a little bit worried in today's political, social, economic time about some of the uncertainty sure. and being a little cash strapped, but also about 
I know there's sometimes some of these brands are concerned. They don't want to disclose where things are from and, you know, how their supply chain works. They, they're trying to keep it very proprietary and closed, even though, come on, we all know where a lot of their things come from and where, you know, but okay. They, do you think that that's going to be a conflict or, or are we moving away from that into transparency? I think the the biggest hindrance at the moment is cash. Mm-hmm. And I think it's having the the cash and feeling confident of the amount of cash that we have right now to be able to commit in this moment and to be able to commit over time. And then I think the the second biggest hindrance is manpower and people. Who do we have that actually have the the bandwidth to think about this, to uh, have the curiosity and the passion to um, kind of poke other organizations and find partners in this space and to dream big, right? I think uh, it's it's a bit cliche, but I think. If you can imagine something incredible, it's a it's a matter of getting people to come along with you in the magic and be willing to to kind of face the challenges and pave the road in the midst of all that. So you think a lot of the um, a lot of the programs are about collaboration in addition to just the full force financially invest into this program, collaborating yes. with the corporations. And- yes, I think uh, you you generally have a leader, and that might be a brand. Uh, in particular, who's um, driving the funding and maybe driving the storytelling kind of on the consumer end. But in order to achieve that, there have to be a band of partners because um, uh, I'll I'll speak just from experience. I think anyone connected to the, the Kate Spade On Purpose program would say this. We are experts at a number of things. We're not experts at everything. And, you know, when we started, we weren't experts at manufacturing and manufacturing in Rwanda. Okay, so let's find the right people that could partner along along with us. And um, I think I've, I've had a couple of companies ask me recently, how do you even get started? How do you even get started? And I said, well, let's let's talk about who you are as a business. Let's talk about what makes sense. What kind of initiative do you want to go after? Or where do you want to see impact uh, that is meaningful for your business, meaningful for your employees, and, and meaningful in the global community? Is it homelessness? Is it women's empowerment? Is it education? Is it health? Is it, you know, what what space do you want to impact? And then there's um, even greater meaning, um, again, for your employees, for your consumers, for your business. And ultimately, you want you want to see transformation, not for yourself, but you want to see transformation for the people you're working with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Empowering a whole town is, it's, it's, it's amazing. It is. The experiences that you've been through, it's like... <laughs> so, yes. Before yes. you okay. actually got to do this program and to to see that change uh-huh. firsthand, what drove you and inspired you to even begin down this path? Good question. <laughs> I think um Stephanie, I think I've always been compelled by people and by opportunity. And I've been very fortunate that in my career uh, most of my career has been at Kate Spade, 11 years in New York and then two and a half years in Rwanda. Uh, but I've had the opportunity to work with really wonderful people and uh, within a range of incredible opportunities. And um, so uh, I've always been compelled uh, kind of in an operational sense to be an, an operational project mind behind a beautiful vision that somebody else might cast in front of me and happy to lead a charge, develop people, um, bring a team with me to see that vision executed. I actually, I was looking and 
It's it's part of the internet world. I was looking through um, your LinkedIn, and I saw the development that you did do in um, with Kate Spade from you know um, educating, uh, uh, just the yeah. training, cross training for the retailers, and all of that. And I was like, this is very interesting because it kind of fell through. Of um, it got to to the point where you where you were be able to develop that. How do you stand out into a company to make people? notice you mm. to be able to jump into a position like this right uh there's a <laughs> i'd have to say that uh i as you saw i started as a shop girl sales associate and then manager at the kate spade flagship store and then moved into a number of roles and i think um it was a combination i had really wonderful mentors and supervisors along the way, but also a combination of me being of that plus me being able to say, I really see this opportunity or I see this gap or I worked on the sales floor. I worked with our consumers. I know what she's looking for. And now on the training side, I see that we have the opportunity to fill these gaps and fill our um, uh, kind of our training content in a way that answers the questions that she had that I felt like maybe I couldn't answer before. And so I kind of, you know, grew through a few different positions of um, working on the domestic side of the business and then got to translate that to the international side of the business. Okay, who are we, um, you know, as a brand? Uh, how have we built the ethos of the brand here in the U.S.? And then how do we export that interna- internationally? And then I think kind of bringing along with me, I think it's a it's a combination of um, who you are as an actual employee, being, being willing to do the hard work, rolling up your sleeves and being willing to, to get after, um, get after the work before you. I think it's also, uh, being willing to spot opportunity and communicate that to, um, those that are interested in, and willing to hear. Um, I think, uh, I said to two mentors, uh, probably in 2013, I love my current job. I love what I'm doing. I'm traveling the world, opening up Kate Spade stores in different parts of the of the globe. Uh, if I could do anything else, I would want to work on a program like our on purpose CSR program and had no idea that a few years down the road that would open up and there would actually be an opportunity for that. Well, it also speaks volumes probably about an organization like Kate Spade that you were at for 11 years. I think a report just came out where like the average Apple or Facebook employees, there are less than two years. It's like 1.7 oh, or something. And you invest a lot of time and money and resources for good reason in yes. your employees. But if they're leaving right afterwards, what does that say? And not to diss Apple sure. and Facebook. Well, I kind of did. But, <laughs> um, but it, so it says a lot for for Kate Spade and what they were doing. So as you, you just spoke about kind of opportunity and asking them if there are other uh-huh. opportunities as you're looking at where social responsibility is now and where the potential is of where it can go. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on either not just places around the world, but opportunities that we're missing where we can look or people need to put their efforts a little bit more as a brand, as a designer, as a consumer, Any, anything we should be paying attention to or predictions? I think uh, I have a I, I think I have a personal conviction around um uh, the way that we're addressing social responsibility and not in a sense that let's create an entirely new product. Let's 
let's make something new that we need. Let's make make a product that we can sell to the Western consumer. But actually looking at our supply chain or looking at um, where we are doing business and say, how can we do this in a way that's more impactful, more meaningful? And I think that goes along with everything that we talk about on Materials Your Business, right? Everything from the sustainability of materials and the way that we're treating the environment, treating fabrics, and uh, just our, our policies around that within the organizations to the actual employees that are producing our products that we're selling that we have a need for all over the world. Um, so I, I think there's just a smart way to look at um, the way we just the way we approach social responsibility so that we're not just creating something additional, but we're folding it into what we're already doing. It's true. And so many people, when you hear social responsibility, you think you have to be perfect and create this whole overhaul of your entire business and supply chain. And, you know, yes, eventually a perfectly circular economy supply chain would be great. But in reality, there are small steps and little actions that you as a business can take in line with your current brand and and. And people yes. forget that, and those little initiatives do matter. So um, they're kind of meaningful. Weekly. They're very meaningful, and yes. I think they do matter on a large scale. Yeah. So let's take a break. Back soon, right after this. Do you remember what we used to say about running? Oh, somebody bigger had to chase you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm BJ Smith, and that's exactly how I felt about running most of my life. That was until one fall day in 2011. I was chasing my son in the backyard when... Something had to change. This was the beginning of my journey to becoming a runner. One that would take me from couch to marathon in less than two years. Now I'm setting my sights higher. This is 16 Weeks, a new podcast from Mouth Media Network, following me on my journey to get into shape while keeping up my obligations at work and still being there for my family. And I'm not doing it alone. My name is Keith Smart. I won a silver medal in Beijing. I'm a sport and exercise psychologist at ECU. Coach athletes all over the world. and I'll talk with experts about challenges all runners face, like figuring out how to make time to run, what to eat, and how to train. You got so dehydrated. Your heart rate went up and it felt like you were working so hard. Everything's trainable, whether it's run form, strength. That's all trainable. And so is our thinking. Subscribe now to 16 Weeks on iTunes, Google Play Music, or wherever you find great podcasts. Together, we can do this. And now, it's Remnant. It's look like you stopped working with Kate Spade and started working with another company or is that a was that a relationship what was that all about yes yes that goes back to uh, when I was talking about um, partners and being able to pull in the experts uh, to walk with you on and your social responsibility programs and Kate Spade back in uh, 2013 I believe um, partnered with this organization called Kerasimbi Business Partners they are a um, a consulting firm based there in Kigali Rwanda uh, and basically the experts on the ground in the country and so uh, for me to be able to work on the magic of this program and be a part of the the team I was uh, I transitioned from a position at Kate Spade to a role employed by Kerasimbi uh, to be able to be part of that group of experts working on. Would they respect you as in their, you're their boss in, in, in 
decision making and well, Kerrison covers a number of projects within the country. Uh, I was the only employee dedicated to working on the Kate Spade on Purpose program, uh, and uh, you know, one of our directors was my partner on that. Uh, but um, but the 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 Rwandans, you mean? Is that who? So just the checks were coming from them. You were kind of handling the whole project, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, but I needed, you know, there, it's a mix. The Karasimbi is a mix of Rwandans and um, Americans at the moment. And so you get uh, local Rwandan expertise. You get um, the consultant that also understands the Western consumer and understands investment and understands, you know, together we understand how to build business models and how to, to, to help businesses thrive, which is ultimately our goal. And so uh, my job was the job of helping the Kate Spade on Purpose program and our factory there thrive. If you were to change careers mm. completely out of the fashion industry, where would you go and what would you do? I have a secret dream, but maybe not so secret at this moment, <laughs> <laughs> to um, uh, work in hospitality. And uh, it's been a dream of mine to own and operate, sounds very small town, but own and operate a bed and breakfast that's got um, uh, meaning behind it, whether it's a place for people to seek refuge, whether it's a place for uh, job creation, whether it's a place for, um, you know, just an opportunity to care for people along the way. That's something that I would uh, greatly enjoy being a part of. Is there anywhere in the world that you haven't traveled yet that you really want to go, and why? In South America, I have only been to Brazil, and I've been there a handful of times. So there is a lot more between Argentina, Chile, Peru that I would love to explore. For the wine, the hiking, yeah. or the, the weather oh. right about now? Machu Picchu. <laughs> yes, yes, Machu Picchu. Um, uh, getting into the Patagonia of Chile. I mean, all of it, all of it. I have a friend that's living in Buenos Aires right now, and it's just a matter of time before I jump on over there. All right, we all need to get there. Yes. So can you give us kind of a final thought, words of wisdom, inspiration, anything as you reflect back on your career, your experiences, this conversation? I'd say that um, some of the most surprising turns in my career have been the absolutely most meaningful and the most unique. Um, perhaps the hardest, but also the, just the most special. Uh, and I'd also say that um, there's a lot of work to be done in this world, a lot. And there's a lot of people doing good work. And I think my my final thought is get on board. If there's, if there's an initiative that you care about, if there's a program that you can dream up, drum up, think about, fund, find the partners to join you and be willing to, to imagine the incredible and go for it. That's... You're making me cry. Oh. <laughs> How can people connect with you and reach out sure. to you? Sure. So uh, you can find me at Brennan, B-R-E-N-N-A-N, at B-K-L and Co., that's B-K-L-A-N-D-C-O dot com. That's my email address. Great. Thank you, Brennan, so much for joining us on this Thanks meaningful journey me. and conversation. And Thank you. Some-
Thank you guys for listening and for Samantha Cortez. Adios. I'm Stephanie Benedetto. Go change the world, everyone. Back soon on Material Is Your Business. This has been Material Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at materialisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Material Biz Show. That's Material B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, materialisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.